Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. When you take a step back and you become curious and you look at what's really going on and you study the nature of the beast, it's actually very difficult not to become addicted to alcohol on some level if you're using alcohol regularly. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, hello, well women. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. If you are a regular listener, I have some treats in store for you today. And if you are new to the show, a big welcome to you. On the show here, we really are wanting to play a bigger game in our lives, right? Like we're, we're, we're wanting to speak up, be visible, be seen, be heard and, and not be perfect about it. And a lot of us are navigating, you know, really stressful careers and jobs and family responsibilities. And this is a space for you to just take a breath and find some tools and solutions and, and support first and foremost, some understanding of your situation. I think something that isolates us as women, as high achieving professional women with multiple responsibilities, something that isolates us is this idea that everything has to be perfect all the time. And we can't, you know, we can't talk about what's actually happening because then the whole thing will crumble, right? Like we're, we're holding everything together so delicately that if if one thing is misplaced, then our whole lives might <laughs> crumble and, and shatter. And, and so what we're here to do on this show is really support you to say, you're not the only one. Like there are, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of high achieving professional women who are either, you know, in the midst of a career in transition, maybe you're 20 years into your career and you're like, this is not what I want to be doing. And on top of it all, you have kids and you have nieces and nephews and you have parents that are aging and there's just a lot to do. And there's the invisible workload of all of the things you're keeping track of. Even if you've delegated things out and you have a partner that is co-parenting or taking uh, responsibility for things, you're you're still delegating it all. You're still managing it all. You're still carrying that invisible workload. So this is a space for you to come and explore what does it feel like to be supported to put yourself first? What does it feel like to ask yourself, can I see another possibility for my life without burning it all down, right? Like you don't need to quit your your job, get a divorce and, you know, run away in order to, to find that ease and joy that we are seeking. Of course you can do some of those things, <laughs> but it's not necessary. And the journey is never perfect. You know, the journey to living a well woman life is an imperfect journey that nobody is judging in this community and that we're here to, to support one another, to say, you can have the life that you want. You can be happy. So today we're going to be asking a lot of questions. Actually, we're talking to Ruby Warrington. She's the author of Sober Curious. And she 
asks people in her work to reevaluate their relationship to alcohol. So again, no judgment. If you like your glass of wine and you're like, ah, this is not for me, I would just encourage you to listen. And as Ruby says, you know, just be curious. And if you are struggling with alcohol and you really need help in a more serious way, I would encourage you to seek that help. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to be sober curious, what the benefits are of quitting drinking, and how to feel more confident in your sober life. I think a lot of times we associate alcohol with socializing, and and it's a big part of many people's lives. And we can't imagine what it would be like to be in the world without that, right? Like without that component, without that added comfort in in a social setting. So so we're going to talk about that today with Ruby Warrington. As I said, she's the author of Sober Curious and also Material Girl Mystical World. And most recently, she published The Sober Curious Reset, which walks you through day by day how to really evaluate, reevaluate your your relationship with alcohol. And uh, Ruby has over 20 years experience as a lifestyle journalist and editor. She's the founder of self-publishing imprint Numinous Books and is a leader in the now age wellness space. So we're going to get into a lot of really interesting ideas here about about alcohol and about so being sober curious. And you can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 256 show. And the Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy, which is a feminist leadership gathering space, wellwomanlife.com slash academy. I'm speaking with Ruby Warrington. Welcome to the show. Hello, Giovanna. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This is exciting to talk to you today. We have lots of interesting topics to cover. I just want to start, though, by having you tell listeners, who are you in the world today? Well, I'm a British writer and author. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. I've been here almost 10 years. And uh, my most recent book was called The Sober Curious Reset. And that was a follow-up to my 2018 book, Sober Curious, which has really been part of spearheading this global movement towards re-evaluating our relationships with alcohol. So I think that's sort of what I'm currently best known for. Although my career as a writer goes back way, way further than that. Okay, cool. And we heard a a bit about you in the introduction, but I just, and we're definitely going to get into into your book and the topic of of Sober Curious, but I want to just give listeners a real feel for who you are as a person. You know, a, a lot of times we bring really important work into the world and we sort of forget to tell the other yeah. important parts of our identity of who we are uh, that that contributes to so much of how we were able to do what we do. Mm. So, is there anything else you want to share about like who you identify as in the world? Oh, well, I've always been a very curious person, you know, always really interested in asking questions and sort of not question not shaking up the status quo in a rebellious sense, but never really taking things at face value. This is something I've brought to my life, you know, beyond my career. 
I always, um, and I think it was something that was kind of not drummed into me by my parents, but definitely the atmosphere in my home growing up. It was quite an unconventional upbringing. And I grew up in a very small village in rural England, which, you know, it's pretty traditional in terms of values and things. And my parents were divorced and both quite sort of bohemian. So we were quite other in that scenario I suppose and I think I learned to view the lens the world through a lens of things aren't always what they seem you know and the more we can do our own investigations and come to our own truth the more we can live in alignment with who we are as individuals rather than the prescriptive sort of world that we find ourselves in so often and so that I think was you know that sort of mentality and attitude is one thing that led me to journalism as a career And then I got very entangled with the kind of glamorous magazine journalism world and the very materialistic sort of end of things. And it was my move to America almost 10 years ago that kind of threw a spanner in that those works <laughs> and sort of put me back on the career of on the career track of the more questioning sort of outsider-ish mentality oh. I suppose. So just can you give us a, a brief like what happened there? It, was it not what you expected or your career took a turn in some way? In a way, it wasn't what I expected. I was very excited to have the opportunity to move to New York. My husband got a job here. And so I, at the time, made the decision to quit my very high profile, glamorous magazine job in the UK. Um, and I just sort of assumed that I would find a similar job here. And it didn't happen. New York's an extremely competitive town, as we kind of all know in the media world in particular. It's really like you're really up against people who've been literally in training (laughs) to get the limited number of jobs that are here all their lives. And so even though I had a 15-year career in media in the UK, it was kind of slate clean starting at the bottom rung of the ladder again. And it sort of made me question whether that was actually the career path I wanted to pursue. And at the time, I was very, I was setting up what would become my own media platform, which just started as a blog. And it was all about sort of holistic, even mystical kind of well-being practices things which back in 2012 were only just sort of to coming into the mainstream again you know yoga meditation astrology tarot these sorts of subjects and so I began working on that just as a sort of a passion project and then that opened all sorts of other doors for me in terms of the things I've the subjects and the sort of areas that I've pursued since and it was actually that journey that led to me questioning my drinking because I was drinking quite heavily as a journalist in the UK. I mean, we quickly touched on it before we started recording, but the British drinking culture, as many people know, it's almost a kind of a cliche or a joke, but it's, it's alcohol is very much um, interwoven into the fabric of society in the UK, even more so than it is here. And, and, you know, America has a big binge drinking and addiction issue, but in the UK, it's just even more of a kind of constant steady drip of alcohol. And um, my drinking actually, uh, and it was only a few years after the event that I could look back and see what had happened, but the sort of destabilizing effect of uprooting myself and moving to America and kind of losing my career at the same time and being separated from family, friends, home, all those things. I, my drinking really wrapped up, ramped up during that period. And then simultaneously, I found myself engaging with all of these sorts of well, emerging wellness practices, which really shone a light on how much I had been using alcohol to self-medicate any feelings of discomfort, separation from self and others that I 
that I didn't know how to handle. And so that whole period was very transformational for me on a personal and a professional level. Yeah. As you, as, as it usually is, it's, it's a whole life transformation that brings you to your life's work. Right. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) right. Yeah. So you've talked about a few things here that I just want to pull, dig into a little bit. The first thing is, you know, so you really brought up this idea of, of being curious, which I love because this community and the well woman community, we really emphasize curiosity, like investigating and asking questions and challenging the status quo. And, and clearly that led you to not only the title of your book, but a whole sort of movement around sober, sober curious, right? So mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, and, and as you said, your book is called The Sober Curious Reset, Change the Way You Drink in a 100 Days or Less. And so, you know, as we were talking before we started recording, I, I also grew up in England and I understand that that whole drinking culture. And then, you know, being here in the US too, it's it's very much like, I feel like we've been taught that you know, we've been taught a lot of things about, about alcohol and drinking, but one of the things when, when people are drinking too much, it's sort of like you go to AA, right? Like you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, like that's it. You're Mm -hmm. either drinking or you're going to AA. (laughs) There's nothing, like there's nothing in between. And I I feel like you're offering this, this other way of, of looking at it. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. And you've that, I mean, that's exactly where I found myself 10 years ago. You know, I'd begun questioning my drinking a little before my move, but in a very sort of abstract and sort of subconscious way, almost questioning how my drinking was actually impacting my well-being, whether I was maybe drinking too much, but looking at how everybody else around me drank, I actually didn't drink as much as many of my friends. I, I never drank every day. I never drank in the morning. My drinking had never caused me any of the sort of severe, more severe material problems that we might associate with problem or alcoholic drinking. I'd never got sick. I'd never been injured. I'd never lost a job. Like no one had ever called me out on my drinking. And so I couldn't see that I had a problem. And yet there was this questioning. This doesn't, something doesn't feel right here. And exactly what you said, all I could see was, well, people who have a drinking problem are alcoholics and they have to go to AA and then they're never allowed to drink again. And that's the whole thing. Right. And there's so much stigma around that as well. And we have so many kind of conditioned ideas around what that path looks like. And we think that it's for a very small, very unlucky percentage of society who maybe even have a disease called alcoholism. And that whole messaging is extremely off-putting to anyone who might be what is now sort of more commonly referred to as a gray area drinking. It's over this past decade. And it was five years ago that I started sort of speaking publicly about this, hosting events and kind of bringing the conversation out of my own head, <laughs> where it had been kind of unfolding for five years before that. And when I coined, that's when I sort of coined the term sober curious. That very that very stigmatized sort of idea around alcoholism and addiction puts put so many people off who are actually having those questions, who maybe are what I sort of term as just a little bit addicted to alcohol. Mm. And as I explore in my first book, it's actually when you look at when you take a step back and you become curious and you look at what's really going on and you study the nature of the beast, it's actually very difficult not to become addicted to alcohol on some level if you're using alcohol regularly. It's one of the five most addictive substances on the planet. (laughs) It's readily available. And beyond that, it's marketed heavily as 
you know, the elixir of a life worth living. It's how we have fun. It's how we socialize. It's how we unwind. It's what makes us sexy and cool. And it's highly addictive. So it's very hard not to develop some level of attachment to drink to alcohol. And so, yeah, I think it's been really interesting over the past five years to see much more of a spectrum idea kind of come into the mainstream. And with Sober Curious, I wanted to sort of give permission for people to have those questions and ask those questions out loud without being without fear of automatically being labeled an alcoholic. Not that there's anything wrong with that. This is something else I've really kind of seen come through over the past few years. It's just a much more nuanced and sympathetic understanding about what's happening when someone has a more severe addiction to alcohol. You know, it's often, if not in all cases, the result of some sort of unresolved trauma, some very difficult period they've been through where alcohol has become the crutch and it's just stuck around, you know. So I don't know. I think all of these subjects have been waiting, needing to be spoken about for a long time. And actually the term sober curious just sort of has given people a language to talk openly without judgment, without shame about what's really going on. But ultimately the goal of being sober curious is to be sober, right? Like, which means not drinking at all. So is, is that sort of where you landed with this? The goal is to really, the goal is to really understand your own relationship with alcohol so that you can make the right choices for you when it comes to drinking going forward. I believe that the only way that you can get the perspective mm. to really be able to understand that properly is to take an extended period of abstinence, which is why the second book, Sober Curious Reset, takes you through 100 days of not drinking. Just from my own experience, anecdotally, within the sort of communities that I've been engaged with, that time period is the minimum, I would suggest, for anyone who really wants to get a good idea of what it, of the actual impact that drinking is having on them. But ultimately, it might mean having a drink on occasion. I don't necessarily preach abstinence, which is again, what we see in 12 step programs. I personally choose abstinence because I've come to a point now where I understand that not only does alcohol not bring me any of the benefits that I perceived it as bringing me, like in reality, I also know that I also know how addictive it is. And I've seen too many times how trying to moderate drinking, saying, you know, I'll drink on these certain occasions or I'll only drink this kind of alcohol or I'll only have to have this many drinks. It inevitably always led me back to the same point, which was drinking more than was good for me. And so for me, it's just easier, feels healthier. Life is more enjoyable. There's so much more freedom in just being a non-drinker. But I also don't describe myself as sober because that the path of sobriety is still very much associated with 12-step recovery from alcohol addiction. And I don't identify with that path either. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because your book has that word in it, in the title. So mm-hmm. curious. So mm-hmm. I, I was also thinking that it, that, that it was more about like getting sober, you know, and, and what you're saying is actually it's, it's just about being curious about it and there's a whole spectrum and you can land somewhere along, you know, the path and, and where you've personally landed, you are uh, a non, you just you're a non-drinker. I'm a non-drinker. And it's about being curious about living a sober life. What would that look like for you? You know, what would it what would it mean? What changes would it mean for you? Um, how challenging would that be for you? Just it's all about gathering all the intel so that you can really make those informed choices for yourself going forward. The majority of I would say the vast majority of people I've encountered who've really, really engaged with this work 
come out of it as non-drinkers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so I am speaking with Ruby Warrington, author of The Sober Curious Reset, Change the Way You Drink in 100 Days or Less. And I just want to talk a little bit about who this is for, and then we're going to take a quick break and come back. I think that... If you are listening to this and you feel like you really do have a, a serious problem, you know, definitely want you to, to seek the help that, that you need. I do know that I have a lot of listeners who fall into the gray area of, I just want a glass of wine to unwind at the end of the day, or I just want, you know, to go out on the weekend and have a few drinks. And then it sort of turns into this misery of, like not feeling good and shame and guilt and just all of this stuff. I feel like this book is for those people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do, you know, throughout the first book and this second book and consistently across the different platforms and channels that I share the work, I'm always dropping in what you just brought mm -hmm. to the tape, brought up as well. If, if this is proving more challenging than you anticipated, you have nothing to lose. It's free. They're readily accessible by going to an AA meeting. I mean, and just seeing if that level of support and that kind of structure and that level of accountability might be what you need. Um, particularly during COVID, I think people have found it even easier to dip a toe in because the meetings are on Zoom. You really can be anonymous. There's like very little kind of commitment necessary to, to check it out. So yeah, this, this work is for the gray area drinkers. And it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I even thought it started getting warmer here in Brooklyn and walking home from my office last night. I just thought to myself, wow, yeah, it would be, it would be so nice, wouldn't it? To just have a glass of wine to relax and not for there not to be any kind of like payoff associated with that. But that's just not, that's just doesn't have, that's just not a possibility. It's just not a possibility. And I think we all know deep down that there's always a price to pay in our in terms of our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual well-being when we use alcohol and we rely on alcohol for that off switch, for that moment of relaxation, for that moment of connection. And so, so much of the work being sober curious, particularly as it's presented in the second book, The Reset, is about really helping you find other ways to experience those things that you're looking for in alcohol yeah. that don't have that same physical, mental, emotional, spiritual toll, you know? Right. Right, right. I was actually going to ask you about that as a follow up here real quick before we before we take our break. I just want to <laughs> say that, you know, yes, pe like people want to relax, they want to tune out. So then if they're not going to have the glass of wine, you know, then it becomes what it becomes like binging on television or eating <laughs> or uh, other kinds of things. And so really it's about digging down and saying, okay, what, what is it I really need here? Mm -hmm. What do Absolutely. I need? Yeah. Absolutely. And so give us a couple of examples of, of like healthy alternatives for relaxing that people can choose instead of alcohol or overeating or all those things. Well, first of all, I want to say like, if you find yourself binging on TV or ice cream whilst in the early days of sober curiosity, don't beat yourself up about it. I'm a real kind of advocate for kind of harm reduction. If like, you know, three hours of Netflix is not going to leave you with the same psychological residue the next day. So go for it. <laughs> if in the interim, it's like, you know, an alternative for you. I think ultimately, and this is challenging, especially during the pandemic, um, ultimately, it's about really looking at what are the things that are causing me to be so stressed out and anxious and wound up at the end of the day in the first place. 
and looking at what tweaks can I make to my life and my lifestyle and even my belief systems in general that lead to perhaps an overall more kind of spacious, relaxed, contented lifestyle. And obviously that's challenging for many different reasons and can take a lot of time and some difficult conversations and and some new choices for your life. But things like, you know, I mentioned that engaging with these different kind of wellness practices had helped me begin to step away from it as well. Things like having a regular meditation practice, a regular yoga practice, and it doesn't have to be lengthy or anything fancy, you know, five minutes, five, 10 minutes of meditation a day, a half hour yoga on YouTube a few times a week. It's not going to have the instant kind of like off switch effect in the moment. But when you engage with these practices regularly, they can help to sort of facilitate this more equanimous um, kind of like just a more sort of like calm, less reactive approach to life in general. Yeah. And so you end up getting less stressed out in general, and then you don't need the alcohol to de-stress you in the same way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's a lot of what I share on this program and in my Well Woman community is sort of how we can really start enjoying ourselves, enjoying our selves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like loving ourselves, self-compassion and, uh, and just being with ourselves. Because I think when you, when you look at, uh, how we escape from ourselves, whether, mm. you know, turning, like switching off or, or turning off through alcohol or overeating or whatever it is, shopping, you know, there's all these different things that, that people do when we stop doing those things, then we're really left with ourselves. Yes. And that's, that's when we have to get really, really honest about Mm -hmm. the situation. And, um, and that's when the magic can happen too. That's Uh when you can really break free of all of the old stories and all of the baggage and all the fear, right? Like there's nothing left to be afraid of because you're, you're just left with yourself. <laughs> yes. And then and being left with yourself can be very confusing, frustrating in the beginning. If you've been used to switching off, shutting down that connection, because so much of what we shut down is the more painful, confusing, uncomfortable, difficult parts right. of ourselves that we have never been taught to learn to be with. And so, but the more we can befriend those parts of ourselves, and this is why I love astrology, and it might be sort of a relevant thing to speak about with your audience, but I love the practice of astrology as a personal tool for really understanding myself, understanding my beliefs, understanding my conditioning, understanding my ancestry, and having an understanding of what makes me who I am through that lens has made me so much more accepting and forgiving of myself. And it's given me just a a real kind of so much more clarity about why I might have responded or reacted or held certain beliefs about myself and the world that don't actually belong to me and that it is within my power to shift, you know, so that I can just enjoy being me, enjoy the world. I think another really important thing to mention is that we, a lot of us use alcohol as a way to give ourselves permission to feel good, to feel pleasure, because we have so much, particularly as women, so much internalized guilt and shame around those things. You know, we've, we're brought up to be selfless, not to put ourselves and our needs first. Um, sexual pleasure is very, very shameful for many of us because, mm-hmm. because of all sorts of things, but, um, yep. alcohol, alcohol kind of like gives us a, gives us a permission slip to just indulge ourselves. And yep. so how about if we just gave ourselves that permission slip 
anyway, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I'm speaking with the author of a workbook and self-study program called The Sober Curious Reset, Ruby Warrington, and we'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups, coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work. But with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching and reach your goals monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your Well Woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show with Ruby Warrington author of The Sober Curious Reset. And Ruby, we're going into the uh, segment called Superpowers for Success. And I'm going to ask you a few quick questions so listeners can get to know you better. So the first question I have is, um, what does success in life mean for you? Success in life means spending my day doing something I find engaging and enjoyable. It's that simple. <laughs> if I can, if I can spend my days engaged with an occupation that feels satisfying to me, then that's success. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? I graduated with first class honors from my journalism degree. It was the first time I'd really kind of applied myself to writing Um, And it came very naturally to me. So I was incredibly surprised I graduated at the top of my class because it didn't feel like work to me at all. (laughs) And so that was when I realized that writing and editing was something, a talent that I just had. Okay. And I want to just push you a little further on this one because that's a great example of like external validation, right? Like getting a good grade or getting good comments or feedback, selling a lot of books. Like those are all great external validations. But was there a time when you sort of knew internally, especially with your sober curious work that like you just were rocking it, like you had hit something and you were in your stride and in your flow and like this was it? I remember the first time I did a Sober Curious event in London. I was very nervous. The Brits are big drinkers. I knew that a lot of my former journalism colleagues were coming (laughs) to the event. And I also have a huge fear of public speaking. But about 20 minutes into my talk, I could see their faces were just looking at me like mouths open, like so hooked into what I was saying. And it just felt like, oh, yes, this I'm onto something here, you know? Um, So yeah, that moment. Okay, good. And then can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your well-being so that you can do everything you do in the world? I'm writing a new book currently, and I'm taking five days out a month of my schedule to completely turn off from email, social media, phone, and going to a cabin in the woods to write. (laughs) It's the first time I've done this, but it's an extension 
it's an extension of something I've always done and needed, which is alone time and really prioritizing that and not feeling selfish or guilty about taking that for myself. I need a lot of alone time. So I build that, actively build that into my schedule. Yeah, that's so important and really prioritizing it. Mm. Okay. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? Oh, (laughs) that's a really hard one. What's coming up is like speaking. I've always been a writer. And I think actually starting to appear as guest on podcasts and then hosting my own podcast made me realize that I can speak as well as write because I'd always been very, very shy and writing had been my main way of expressing myself. So podcasting. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Okay. And what advice would you give your younger self, say 10 or 15 years ago? I just keep doing you. It's all part of the journey. Nothing needs to be done differently. No regrets, you know, Um, just keep doing you. Yeah. Okay. And do you identify as a feminist? I do. Yes. Well, this is, it, it dovetails slightly with my new book. I've never wanted to have children. And that was always something that really marked me out as different. And I've been doing a lot of research around why that is. (laughs) And, um, I just, yeah, as much as I'm, you know, I was born in the seventies, I'm very much a product of the women's liberation movement and have had enjoyed all the freedoms in my life um, in digging deeper into many of the feeling rules around womanhood and motherhood. I've realized how much work still is to be done in these areas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Last question for you, Ruby. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? I'm reading Shuggy Bain, which um, was the winner of last year's Booker Prize, which is a big British literary prize. It's a memoir, a novelistic sort of memoir inspired book about a young gay boy growing up in the projects in Glasgow. I love reading fiction. That's one of my biggest escape. How do I switch off and unwind without wine fiction Mm. novels? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, of course. And we'll add your book recommendation to our book list and it'll be at the show notes for this episode. And Ruby Warrington, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I love your questions. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week, so be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.